Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Hello and welcome to Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Hope everybody is doing well. Um, Let's see here, we just had Halloween the other night. Hopefully it was successful. We lucked out being up here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, You know, it's typical, it'd be cold and rainy and it's miserable for the kids. It was a really, really nice evening. Uh, But we didn't really participate in Halloween. I'm kind of not really participating in holidays this year, um, just with everything that happened. So we had our lights out. Plus, as you might have remembered from my previous episode here, I um, had surgery and it was successful. It turned out great. I don't want to talk too much about it because my Patreon listeners, well, I just recorded their current episode and I talk all about it to them. So if you want to learn a little bit more about that, what was going on, you're welcome to subscribe to Patreon and you will hear that. Um, And, you know, just a reminder, we are winding down for this year. Um, We've got the month of November uh, episode. So it sounds like including this one, we'll have, so this one, a ponder, this one, and a ponder. And I may be running a special episode off of Patreon for one of the ponders. I'm still working on all sorts of different things. But my time has been limited just because of surgery lately. Um, but if you just can't get enough, and you still want to listen to episodes of mine, then I suggest again, wanting to consider joining Patreon because there is, let's see here. Um, I believe I just recorded episode 40 uh, for them. Um, and so think about that. That is 40 additional stories on there. And on there, these regular ones are there as well. They're just without ads. Um and they have, uh, that's about it. They You get it early and, and all that stuff. But um, the Patreon, you know, episodes themselves, yeah, they are uh, with bloopers. Um, they're different types of stories from the men's point of view. And I know I talk about it a lot, but over the next two months, excuse me, for December and January, if you're going through withdrawals, go to my website and click on Patreon. And you can subscribe. It's three bucks a month. Or if you want some lo- um, oh, loot, I was going to say loot. Is that right? <laughs> Merch. Is that what they call it now? Um, there's all sorts of weird words. I'm thinking loot bag or something like that for when my kids were small. 
um, swag. <laughs> Anyways, if you do the $5 a month, you get uh, some swag and uh, your name and uh, where you're from uh, on the uh, episode. I don't even know what I'm doing here. But anyways, I just wanted to make sure you were aware. So you don't have to go without for the next two months. You can subscribe. You've been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, where women share their stories of why they stepped out on their marriage or relationship. But have you ever wondered what the husband or partner has to endure when they find out about the affair? It's such a controversial and sensitive subject. It's not as though one just talks about it casually among friends. However, there is a place to hear the betrayed partner's point of view and their side of the story. The wife left before my wife got home, and I felt numb. I couldn't move. I looked like a statue as she drove away. My son snapped me out of it by opening the door and asking me who she was and what she wanted. I told him she was trying to sell me something, more like steal something. My world was stolen in my garage that morning. I went in trying to act normal and failing miserably. I went into autopilot until she got home, ten minutes after I called. I just looked at her with her eyes wild, wondering what happened, and said one word, his name. Then I drove to school to drop off my kids, one in elementary, one in middle. The drive home was the longest drive of my life. My driveway loomed ahead of me, taunting me about a life that was versus a life that is. I'm not trying to sound melodramatic, but honestly, Looking at my house when I pulled up, it almost filled me with dread, as if it was haunted. When you subscribe to my Patreon, you get access to these exclusive bonus stories, which also include men's stories of their own infidelity. You will have early access to ad-free episodes and, of course, my blundering blooper reel. Visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to subscribe. I ask for a $3 a month pledge with your subscription. Perhaps you even have a story you would like to share. Remember, it's always anonymous and always without judgment. Let's go ahead and get started with today's story. It is from Ivana, and I wrote that I received it in June of 2020, but... I think I just forgot to type 21 instead. Maybe I was trying to write 2021. I have no idea. But I'm not built up on stories that are that far out. Yeah, it only takes 14 months. No, usually uh, four months um, or so once I get a story, but I have to work it through. So it's perfect timing. So, hey, by the way, don't you have a story that you were thinking about sending in? You know who I'm talking to. Yes, I'm talking to you. Don't forget, you can. You can message me if you have questions. And don't be embarrassed. You are anonymous. Nobody's going to judge you. I protect you when it comes to that. Okay, that was just me being a complete and total dork. I mean, what can I say? That is who I am. Hmm. No judgment, remember? <laughs> Let's go ahead and get started with Ivana's story, part one. I was born in the 70s a child out of wedlock. 
My mother told me she had at first wanted to abort me, then adopt me out, then finally decided to keep me. It was quite a traumatic birth, so I was removed from my mother at birth, and she didn't see me for three days, meaning we missed vital bonding time. I know nothing of my biological father, but I met my dad at six months of age and fell in love. My adopted dad is 15 years older than my mom, and I know they had a lot of problems over the years due to the age gap, but have managed to stay together. My mother's brother, my mentally disabled uncle from about five years of age, sexually abused me. When we would go and visit him and my grandfather, whom he lived with, he would inevitably take me into his bedroom so I could show him how much I had grown since the last time he saw me. He would take photos of me naked and I was taught to suck his penis and he would touch me sexually. It stopped happening after a few years and I blocked memory of this for many years until much later. I learned he had begun the same behavior with my younger sister. As a teen, I thought I was a late bloomer as I was in a circle of friends, all with boyfriends, some of which had been sexually active from 13. By the time I got to 16, I felt I had to get my virginity out of the way and found a friend who was willing to assist. I then got an older boyfriend for the last two years of high school, whom I learned a lot from sexually before leaving my hometown for the city and university. This is when I became quite promiscuous and had many lovers for several years before meeting and settling down with my first husband. We had quite a good sex life, and I was faithful and devoted, but I had a lot of body issues and insecurities in myself, which I know affected my marriage. Ten years and two kids later, we split. I was 32. I went through another promiscuous stage, but this time I felt old and less attractive to men. I was seeking out older lovers, men who still found me attractive. Soon I found Tim, my current partners, 13 years my senior, much to my mother's disappointment. Tim was the classic old-school provider and protector, faithful and dependable, and we shared average sex chemistry. I would often want sex more than him, but as my kids were still young, I saw his other qualities as more important, so I disregarded our sexual differences as I knew he was devoted. However, two years into our relationship, he suffered a workplace accident which left him in a coma for nearly a month. The recovery from that experience was long and traumatic, and the mad I had known before was gone. We had many a difficult year after that. Nothing was quite the same, especially our sex life. I always hoped it would improve with time and love, but his desire for sex had all but disappeared. I call those years after the accident the dark years. His post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, the prescription drugs for the depression and his ongoing pain, triggered excessive drinking anxiety, temper outbursts, and complete loss of libido. He was prone to being moody and dark and very difficult to communicate with. 
Many times I've thought about leaving, removing myself and my boys from the toxic environment. But I was also aware of how fragile he had become and how he now needed love and support. I was also conscious of how I would be seen leaving such a good, well-respected man in his time of need. So I stayed, despite feeling worse and worse about myself. It seemed he was no longer sexually attracted to me at all. Fast forward 16 years from the accident. The PTSD still raises its head occasionally, and the worst of his drinking and the drug abuse are behind us. But his libido has never returned. Our sex life averages two to five minutes every month or two. A blow-and-go experience, usually with me on top. There is no interest in my pleasure, nor foreplay, nor oral sex for me. No orgasms except by my own hand. And I don't believe he gets much pleasure from sex at all. It's more to get me off his back as apparently I am constantly nagging for sex. I tried all sorts of ideas, toys, different clothes, positions, even counseling, but he refuses to talk about it without getting angry. He is still, though, surprisingly very affectionate, cuddles, hand-holding, kissing, as long as it doesn't become sexual or he will pull away immediately. It seems to me he is actually afraid to turn me on. In the years since the accident and with age, I have felt nearly invisible to men, feeling frumpy and unattractive. I have always had a very high libido and masturbate nearly daily, always sleeping naked, and I love being stroked and fondled. But as I couldn't get these needs met with the man I love, who can't even look at me naked, I have spent years believing I was no longer sexually attractive to men, that I was now beyond fucking. I sought help for my issues, counseling, antidepressants, and yo-yo diets. I thought about suicide. I thought about leaving so many times I can't count. I finally did improve my own mental state, changing my diet and my self-talk and began working on my mental, emotional, and spiritual self. I began listening to podcasts all day long and found ones on female sexuality and began to realize just what I've been missing. I realized I had normalized our two-minute sex life. I learned that there was so much more that I could be experiencing, and I began to want it badly. So, I finally left him. I fitted out a little van and went on the road for a few months, following the brightest road, working on myself. I was still completely in love and faithful to him for that time, but I was angry with his lack of interest in me and didn't know if he even wanted me in his life anymore. He was so shut down on me. Eventually, after four months, I returned. His parents were dying, and I wanted to be there for him. I knew there was still so much love between us, and I didn't want to be without him. I know he loved me too, but when I tried to discuss our issues, he would get angry or close down on me, 
But eventually, we had the biggest fight we'd ever had, and he laid down his laws with me, saying just what he would give and not give. I was told in not so many words that he knew he was unable to satisfy me, and that if I had needs he couldn't meet, I was to stop pressuring him and get those needs met elsewhere. I told myself then that that would be the last argument we would ever have, that if it happened again, it would be the end for us. It was then that I let go of our relationship the way it was, that if it was to end, I would be okay with that and move on. I withdrew from him and no longer shared myself with him the way I did before. I knew I was waiting for the end. Surprisingly, things improved in our relationship, not our sex life, but everything else. Over the next year, we settled into a new normal, me going out and he would never ask about who I was with or what I was doing, and I was the same with him. I knew he had a lot of female friends, and in the past that would have made me nervous and jealous, but now... I realized he doesn't just not want sex with me, he doesn't want sex at all. His staying out late and drinking with his mates was just that, drinking with his mates, not trying to pick up. He was still loving and devoted in all other areas, so apart from no sex, I had absolutely nothing at all to complain about. But I was still desperately in need. I was so horny all the time. I even began carrying my dildo in my pocket so that when the urge came upon me, I could relieve myself wherever I was. In the garden, in the car, shopping center toilets. I felt out of control, horny all the time. Wow. <laughs> Ivana. I... I'm impressed. I don't know quite what to say here. I, I, want, I don't want to use the word impressed, but I have got to give you a lot of credit for staying and being as committed as you were. And it's funny, I, um, as I'm reading your story, I get a lot of what you're saying because I tend to gravitate towards older men as well because to them... You know, we're younger and we don't look like we're their age because we're not. And it's there's something special about being with somebody who's older who's been around the world or, you know, uh, knows more about certain things or whatever. Um, so I get that. You know, my husband that passed away. That was the dogs barking. And I'm going to just leave it in here. Why not? I'll keep going. So my husband that passed away was nine years older than I was. And now um, the gentleman that I'm seeing is seven years. Of course, I like to remind them of where I was when they got their driver's license or, um, you know, when they were old enough to drink and I was still in junior high or whatever. But it's more of a tease and a joke. But there are definitely um, differences especially with my late husband. Uh, pop culture is a big thing for me. And he didn't share those same things that I thought was great. You know, the movies and the music from the 80s and things like that. Um, that was a challenge. Um, 
yes, their libido changes. And we're like, hey, I'm still in my 30s and 40s here. What's going on? And so when, you, you know, things change and sex diminishes a little bit, it gets a little discouraging, you know, but we're committed and we love them and we don't want anything to happen. And um, we just continue to talk about it and work on it. And so the fact that you had been doing everything you could to try and get to him explaining that this stuff was important to you. You know, it's, it just sounds like he really suffered from his accident. And I, I don't think it has anything to do with you. It's him and how he's feeling about himself. And he doesn't want to let you down. I mean, this is my opinion, of course. Um, but the fact that he loves you so much. He's like, I want you to be satisfied. If you're going to do it, just do it. Just leave me out of it kind of a thing. So um, I'll be curious to see what happens with the rest of your story when we come back to it in a couple of weeks. But I just must, like I said at the beginning here, I'm just really giving you credit for hanging on for a long time as a person. You, to me, it was a very selfless thing to do. You committed to him. He was ill. You took care of him. You wanted to keep your relationship because you love him. I get it. But yes, we do have needs and we only live once in life and we need to make it the best we can. Before we go, I just wanted to share something kind of funny. Yesterday, I think it was the Marine, who, by the way, has been lending his voice um for a recent story. It's actually three parts on Patreon. It's a very long um, and a very detailed story. Um, he has lent his voice to some of that with me getting him used to the microphone and he is being so funny about it. And he said, oh, I know it looks easy. I just make it look that way. You know, just being silly. Um, he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But anyway, he was telling me a funny joke. And I said, you know what, we could turn this joke into something for the podcast, having him talk and me talk. And of course, I'd have to it's it's kind of a funny joke. So we're going to make it kind of southern, kind of rednecky. So it would be no, no uh, offensive. No, you know, we're not trying to um Oh, pick on people or anything like that. My family is from Oklahoma, okay? And we settled in, I think it was Missouri and I don't know, Scottish and Irish. And uh, I've got a lot of um, Northern Europe. <laughs> I like the Irish and the Scottish, though. That gives me like 33% from there. Um, we're all mutts. But anyways, it'll turn into kind of a silly hick, if you will, kind of a thing. And... Uh, We'll be telling it and it'll be funny. And I've just downloaded a bunch of sound effects and uh, we're going to have to work on it. So we were laughing so hard at how funny this joke would be. And of course, he has no idea where he heard it. I tried to Google the thing and nothing was coming up. So, of course, we will give credit that we didn't write this joke. We just had heard it and we might modify it just slightly because he doesn't know it verbatim. So we're going to kind of do it ad-libbed in a way, um, but recorded, ad-libbed, improv recorded. I don't think those things would actually work, but we're not going to be reading off a script is my point. Um, 
it'll just have to roll off the tongue, and we'll see what this joke here is all about. For all them people that live out in the woods, you know, stranger danger maybe. I don't know. All I could think about is Harold and Kumar escape Guantanamo Bay. Um, so the people that I'm envisioning are if you haven't, if you've seen it, or if you haven't seen it, um, when they get rescued from, I think it was the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, who was trying to, you know, do their rituals on them because they're of uh, Indian and uh, Korean descent. And uh, there's a couple of, okay, there goes the dogs again, a couple of um, a man and a woman that look like, you know, they live in this old rundown shack. <laughs> Turns out they're brother and sister, and the inside of the house is immaculate, and they have a child in the basement with one big, huge eye. And it's just, it is so bad, but it's funny. And nowadays, people are so damn sensitive about everything that you can't even tell a joke anymore, you know? Um, and I don't mean that in disrespect. I'm just saying that it's like, you know, things aren't what they were. And maybe it was bad the way that they were, but it's just cutting up being silly is all it is. But um, again, when we do this, it's it's not meant to offend anybody or, you know, cause any problems. But this, I'm looking forward to it. And it may turn out to be a total flop. It may be so horrible. I get a message that's like, okay, Rebecca, you suck. Knock it off kind of a thing. People might like it or people might just not say anything because you can't say anything nice. You don't want to say anything at all sometimes <laughs> oh well well tomorrow night we're gonna go see jeff dunham uh last minute i looked up the tickets i ended up paying 450 bucks for two tickets on floor level row 19 at our portland memorial coliseum um and uh it had been rescheduled three times due to covid and they had these tickets open <laughs> and $38 plus $8 per ticket on top of the ticket fee, which was a couple hundred dollars. Not quite. It was close. It was, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, when it all was said and done, I was like $456 or 57 Holy shit. So I told the Marine, he is buying us dinner in Portland and paying for parking because I bought those tickets. Um it is going to be a hilarious show. I have seen him there before, and we watched a Netflix special on it last night. And I'm just really looking forward to a night out, a Wednesday night. I don't have to get up early on Thursday because I'm not working and my alarm isn't set. So I'm going to try and enjoy this time, and it's going to be funny. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to access story guides, subscribe to Patreon for bonus episode of the men's side of female infidelity, and to vote for this podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. To submit your story for the show, share feedback, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com or send by snail mail to Rebecca Adams, P.O. Box 821064, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Every story is always anonymous. 
If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is produced and edited by Rebecca Adams. You can follow the show on Facebook at Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, on Instagram at Podcast Raw Truth, and on Twitter at Raw Female. Thank you again, and be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.